in an emergency situation, will you control the emergency or will the emergency control you? This is Eric Stark with the Smart RVer podcast, delivering the smarts you need to enjoy the freedom of the RV lifestyle without the fear of breaking down. In these unique times we find ourselves in today, prices going up, fuel going up, things changing rapidly, the world's becoming a very ugly place, a lot of problems. Well, among all that, if you own an RV, it's still one of the least expensive ways to travel and take that needed break. We have to get away from the stresses in our life. We have to enjoy the RV, even if it's for weekend trips, one-day trips. Use your RV. Do not let it sit and rot away. That's not what you bought it for. And then you're going to stress yourself out looking at it saying, oh, I never use my RV anymore. Things are too tough. Now, use the RV, man. If the budget's a problem, put some money aside. Cut back on other things. But there's always a way to use an RV. Always. Make good use of it. Enjoy it. You need to do it. Everybody needs a break. This world's going crazy. So we need to be able to get away from it, even if it's just for a day. July is coming up quickly so if you haven't made plans to come to july or to montana in july make them now we want you to come to montana and visit us come by my store highway 93 rv located in victor montana but while you're here there's many other things to do the bitterroot valley where we're at is jam-packed with activities there's still snow on the mountains right now but it's melting away the roads are opening up all the passes it is an awesome place. July is the perfect month, and there is stuff to do from A to Z in Montana. Here in the Bitterroot, there's a million things to do. A million, that's right, a million. There's a lot to do here. So come check out Montana. Come check out the store and meet everybody here. We want to meet you. All right, the RV life, living the RV life. If you own an RV, you're living the RV life, and that's what we think is very cool. It's a great lifestyle to live. But if you're thinking about buying an RV, and this kind of dovetails the episode I did last time, 101, um, about buying a new RV and avoiding the problems, not getting taken to the cleaners. Well, to help do that would be hiring a professional RV inspector. And there's a place in Texas, the NRVTA, National RV Training Academy, that trains people to become RV inspectors. One of the listeners, Frank, gave me a call, said, hey, you need to talk about this. And he's right, because you can have an RV inspected before you buy it at a dealership. So a brand new RV can be inspected. Now, it might sound crazy. It's a brand new RV. You might be surprised what an RV inspection will find. And these guys spend hours while they're doing it. It's not just a 15-minute thing, an hour thing. It can take hours to inspect an RV properly. Now, it comes with a price tag. I don't recall what his prices were, but his would be different than other inspectors. So if you go to the NRVTA's website, you can find an inspector there. And then you can talk to that person in your area and see what they charge. And there's different levels of inspections too. But whether it's a new RV or a used RV, I would highly recommend getting an RV inspection done by a professional. I don't think you can go wrong with that. 
great way to have some peace of mind. And yes, even an RV, you might be a new RV, you might be surprised how many problems they find with it before you ever buy it. And I definitely would have it done before you buy it. Talk to the dealership, see if they'll work with you. And if they say there's no way they're going to let an RV inspector check out the RV, I wouldn't buy an RV from there. I'd run. Run with your money. Don't give it to somebody who's not going to work with you. You're the customer. You know, I, I really think this industry needs to be turned around to become more like the automotive industry, buying a new car. And believe me, buying a new car can be pretty stressful too, you know, because it's just that game. It's, there's a game there, you know, and you still have to question the the integrity of the people you're de- dealing with at a car dealership. But a car is a lot more straightforward than an RV. A lar- RV, there's a lot of little things on there that... um you know, it can be warranty repairs, but it's not the same as a car warranty repair. So keep that in mind. Think about getting an RV inspection done by a professional. The National RV Training Academy, or NRVTA, they got a website. Check it out. Consider that. Now, staying on the road is what we're coming up to now. So we want to keep your RV on the road, and that's the whole point of this section of the podcast. And this is kind of the the meat and potatoes of the podcast. And as introduction, I talked about an emergency situation. Is it can control? Ah, is it going to control you or will you control it? It's entirely up to you. No matter how bad a situation is, if you let it control you, it'll get worse. It will not go well. And I'm talking, or actually I'm not talking about an emergency situation or in some cases where it doesn't lead to death or some catastrophic thing, you know, depending on what you're doing, where you're at, anything could constitute an emergency situation, right? Your water pump fails, you're, you know, a hundred miles out in the middle of nowhere. That's an emergency situation. You want to get that water pump working. So it's not always life or death, although it could be, but it's just a situation now that needs your, your attention, needs it quickly, and you need to take care of something. Now, another example of this, an emergency situation. If your RV were to catch on fire in the middle of the night, how much time do you think you have to get yourself and your family out? Do you think you have an hour, half an hour? You know, if your RV is truly on fire, it could be a matter of minutes minutes you know i talked to someone just about two weeks ago they had just bought a new rv and i asked them you know how what happened to the other one because they come in the store and talk to them you know a little bit kind of have a clue what's going on and they said it caught on fire and it burned down and i asked them well how did that happen and what they think happened was a rodent or you know something chewed through a propane line and this is also from the fire department this is what they think because they went into the RV, they turned on their refrigerator, and as they were driving away, they look in the rearview mirror, and the refrigerator side of the RV was on fire. So they think somebody, you know, an animal, chewed through the propane line, the refrigerator ignites to, you know, on gas, and eventually enough gas buildup is in there, so the refrigerator ignites and catches the RV on fire. 
And they said it was about five minutes before that RV was just fully engulfed in flames. So that's something to seriously consider. And I've always, you know, I don't always talk about it, but fires are a major concern of mine in an RV. When I look at an RV, most RVs only have one door in, one door out. And in a fire, you know, you got to have a pretty good exit strategy and you got to make sure that you're able to get out. And, you know, the escape hatches on the roof, they're great. Escape windows are great. But, you know, generally in an emergency situation, when you go through one of those, that's where your the other part might become an emergency because you fall out the window and break a shoulder or, or an ankle or jump off the roof, whatever it might be. Because if you get on the roof through an escape hatch, you still got to get off that RV. And depending on your physical shape, everything else, or not shape, your, your physical fitness, um, it might be difficult to do. So you have to think about this. Another problem you could face would be, let's say you get a blowout out in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, what you need to do is get off the road. You need to get the spare on and get out of harm's way. But if you're not prepared for that, it's going to take some time just to get the spare out. And now you got to jack up the trailer or the tow vehicle or the motor home and get that spare on. Now, in some cases, like a Class A motor home, you just might not be able to do it. You have to call up one of those trucking or a, a company that comes out and does that road repair, just like a semi would call. You know, Class A motor home is a little bit different than a Class C, but a Class C could still be difficult. A travel trailer with a truck towing it, you know, not that difficult unless you're not prepared. So you have to be prepared for those situations. So most people in general are unprepared. It's just a fact. We have to look at it that way. You know, I mean, I know, there, I know there's a lot that are, but their preparation might only be in a certain way or a certain area, not the everything they need. You know, how many of you in the last, let's say you have a, you've owned a truck for five years. In the last five years, how many of you gone out and really looked at what it would take to change a tire? Do you know where the jack is? The, the tools to use the jack. You know, it's your spare. Is it even there? <laughs> Sounds crazy, right? Does it have air in it? Nothing worse than putting a spare tire on and you lower the vehicle down and the tire's flat. That sucks, right? So we have to get prepared. And it doesn't mean this is like a boot camp where you're out there, you know, you know, running around your RV like a NASCAR pit crew trying to get things figured out and because some problems you're not going to know what they are, what's going to come up, like a water pump could fail. That's not a, a true emergency. You're probably not going to die because of that. And I say probably because you never know, depending on your health and where you're at, if you're in the middle of the desert, it might be a problem. But, you know, a spare tire blows out on a trailer, you need to get off the road. It's a dangerous place to be. And people don't respect you when you're parked on the side of the road. It doesn't matter how many triangles you have, reflectors, people out there with flags. People driving down the road don't really care. Sometimes they don't even get over. I mean, I've been out on the road with a flat and semis just come buzzing by. They don't change lanes. You know, you're on the shoulder and they just come within two feet of you. You know, if you were to move backwards at the wrong time, you could lose an arm very easily. You know, if you're out there monkeying around trying to find your jack and get things going, you're just putting yourself at risk. Or someone not paying attention, texting or looking down for a moment, and they slam right into you. 
or sideswipe you. And that's what I, you know, what comes to my mind is it's things like that that become very dangerous. And we don't quite often think about that or think about it often enough. So you should be prepared. Know how things work on your RV. Does your trailer have a spare? Where is it? Does it have air in it? Is the trailer, is the spare on your trailer 10 years old? Because if it is, you know, you're going to replace a bad tire with another bad tire and possibly have a blowout in 20 miles, 10 miles, 50 miles. So I'm not trying to scare anybody. It's just we need to be prepared how to do things. Look at stuff. What's the situation you can come up? You know, and I've talked about the water system in an RV, you know, having some spare parts, but also being familiar with how the parts work and, you know, just being able to do things. And, you know, emergency situations arise. Things break down. Things happen. You know, your refrigerator could stop cooling, you know, and sometimes you can't do anything about that. It's beyond what you can do out in the field. You, know, you might have to take it to a service center or have someone come out. But be prepared for that mentally. I mean, there's only so much you can do. You know, there's small things you can do before you go on a trip. You know, clean the burner or the igniter. Make sure that's, you know, the basic things are done. You know, if your tongue jack is getting hard to crank up, maybe it's a manual one. And, you know, it's just really, really stiff. It's just hard to get that trailer up off the, the ball or back down on it. That tongue jack is probably going to fail. It's on its way out. Something's wrong internally. You can try lubricating it, but don't let it go. See, that's how you prepare for an emergency. Don't let it go. You don't want to be a fireman responding to the fire. You want to be there so the fire doesn't ever start. So a tongue jack, electric or manual, if it starts having problems, take care of it on your terms. Don't let it dictate when it's going to need to be repaired or out on the road, I should say. You know, taillights, they can quit working at a moment's notice. So when you plug in your RV, make sure they work. And if you're out on the on a trip and your taillights on the trailer stop working, you should be familiar with how where the wiring is, maybe not all of it. And that's really what I'm saying here. It, you're not going to become an expert in every area of the RV. But having a clue sometimes, you know, like every now and then I kind of, We'll say, I wonder where my jack is for my trailer. I, it should be right here. And I'll go and double check, you know, make sure the tools are there to take a wheel off on the trailer. I'm not going to assume that my everything for my truck will fit on the trailer because actually it won't. The lug nuts on my truck are bigger than what's on the trailer. And the jack for my truck isn't tall enough. It's not made for a trailer. So I have a bottle jack just for my trailer. I have a breaker bar. I have an extension on it with uh, a uh, socket. That fits my lug nuts and it always stays in the trailer. It never leaves because I don't want to take it out and then forget about it. I go down the road and get a flat and lo and behold, there's a problem. Yeah. And I've kind of using a flat tire because it's such a good example, especially if you've ever had one, you understand what a pain they can be, you know, everything about it. There's nothing cool about a flat tire. It could be simple things. It could be just a water leak that now becomes an emergency. You know, maybe in the middle of the night, you know, someone's woken up because they hear this constant dripping noise and you got a pretty good water leak maybe coming from the toilet. You know, the first inclination is how do we shut that water off? Can you shut the water off if you're hooked up to city water someplace at an RV park? Sure, no problem. But if it's, um, you know, if it's in, you're out dry camping and it's your the pressure from the water pump, well, you turn the water pump off. And then once that, then you open up some faucets and relieve the pressure, you get it under control. 
But if we're not ready for that kind of stuff, if we're not thinking that way, it becomes a major ordeal. And that's where a bad problem becomes worse. And I've been in situations in my life where, you know, my friends, quote unquote, you know, they're trying to help me. And sometimes they're not thinking and they can make things worse. Gosh, I mean, there's a uh, 50 things that come to my mind throughout my life where somebody trying to help me in a panic situation would have made it worse if I didn't keep my head. And that's where we have to be. And I know from personal experience too, not just me personally, but talking to fellow RVers in the store, on the phone, I hear about different things. They come in, they're looking for a part because while they're out camping over the weekend, this thing failed and ask, what'd you do? What happened? You know, cause I like to hear it. And you know, you get some people real rational where they just, well, you know what, this is exactly what we did step-by-step step, and that's how they share it with you. And other ones like, oh man, we were running around. We didn't know what to do. And finally we, you know, there's an RV or, you know, at a campground, you know, a quarter mile away, we went and banged on their door and they were able to help me, you know, it's great. You get the help, you get the problem solved, but we need to keep our head. Problems come when they come. They don't knock on the door and say, Hey, I'm a problem. I'll be back in five minutes. They don't do that. Right. They come when they come. But sometimes we can prepare for that, and that's what we need to do. But, you know, if we, if we don't think about it, if we just rush and panic, we're going to make it worse. For example, you know, if, if a leaf spring were to break out on the road, now forget the leaf spring, if a fire were to break out in your RV, you know, if you don't think about that rationally, it could be a serious problem. Even if it's just you and the RV, one person, you know, if your focus is, well, I'm going to get this fire put out, you know, and you start, you know, running around trying to do that, there's a good chance you might lose your life. You need to just get out of the RV, unless it's a small fire and you know you've got a fire extinguisher and if you hit it and that fire extinguisher works and you know that it's going to work and you know how to use it, you have to look at fire extinguishers and understand how they work. You know, is it pulling the pin and squeezing the trigger and that's it? I mean, I've seen fire extinguishers. You pull the trigger, nothing happens because it's been used once or it's so old, it doesn't have anything left in it to no oomph to put out a fire. So make sure a fire extinguisher is up to date, that it's going to work, and you understand how to use it and to get it off the wall bracket. You know, or if you're using fireballs, you know, the Elide fireballs, could you just toss one into that fire? and extinguish it that way, that's what you have to be able to process. You, know, you need to process the situation, process the data so you can control it and it doesn't control you. And it doesn't have to be a huge thing. Like I said, it could be a small problem. Every RV or has, or every RV has areas where there's going to be a problem. It's just like when you go on a long trip and you're, let's say you're not bringing your RV, you're just going on a family vacation, you're jumping in the truck, and you're going to go from California to North Dakota. You know, you're going to check your tires. You're probably going to take the truck in, have the oil changed on it, and you're going to tell them, hey, I'm going on a really long trip. Can you make sure you check everything out really good? Now, this day and age, that probably falls on deaf ears. They, oh, yeah, sure, buddy, I'll check your truck out, you know, at the lube and tube place, and they don't do a thing. And, you know, I know that's, sounds bad but that's how it is customer service is gone these guys don't care they're not going on the long trip you know 
when I was a mechanic, we would have to check out vehicles just for that. And it was a thing because I didn't want to get a phone call about someone's car breaking down on a long trip. Now, if the transmission fell out or, you know, something like that, you can't control that. You do the best you can, but you're going to check out the vehicle for a long trip. And there are certain things you're going to focus on tires, the cooling system, if it's going to be hot out, the air conditioning, cold out, the heat, uh, you know, the heater, make sure it's working properly. You know, your headlights, taillights, you probably aren't going to care that much about other than getting a ticket, you know, because we just look at taillights that way. But they are a safety item, and they should be working. But there's things we're going to do, and it should be the same with our RV. Before every trip, you know, I might experience a problem here. Am I experiencing a problem there? Look at your RV. It's so much easier to do this in your driveway. And I've said that before. I mean, I've done episodes not like this, but about maintaining certain things in your RV, you know, like the water system, you know, your holding tanks, you know, are they in good shape? Are your wheel bearings repacked? You know, I had a customer just the other day came in to get his wheel bearings repacked. And it's a good thing he did. Um, he had the easy lube axles, but one of his grease seals was leaking. So, you know, it's just, you're going to repack the wheel bearings and both sides. And one of his grease seals was bad. It was visibly bad, but the grease, it had a consistency like lukewarm sour cream. You know, it just, you opened up the, the grease cap came off and the grease just kind of dribbled out. He had, there was a lot of grease in there keeping the wheel bearings lubricated, but it wasn't a good situation because it was all going to leak out the grease seals and possibly leave them stranded. You know, maybe, maybe not, but he was ahead of it, saw the grease on the axle and took care of it. So it's things like that. And he's like, well, I've been, you know, squirting grease in there. Well, maybe that's part of the problem too, but the grease he was using really wasn't designed for what, or for an axle basically. But he stayed ahead of it. And that's what I'm talking about is trying to stay ahead of things. And, you know, you don't have to spend six hours inspecting your RV. It's just if there's things that are obvious, things that, you know, are weak links on your RV. You know, the batteries, are they charged up? I mean, even your lights. If you know there's some light bulbs that have failed, put some new ones in. Take care of the stuff at home. But if it happens out on the road, don't let it become a big thing. You know, don't pay $18 for a light bulb that, you know, you can get for three bucks someplace, you know, (laughs) don't overreact. And I guess that's really a lot of it too. It's just not overreacting to things. Just focus on the task at hand. If you have a water leak, don't start rebuilding your water system out on the road, fix the water leak. You know, unless you're going to be gone for a long time and you really need to take care of it. And, you know, I get customers come in the store, they have a water leak and, they're getting ready to leave town. They, you know, they might say something like, well, gosh, you know, maybe I should replace this line here and this one over here. But if I do those two, I'm gonna have to replace this one. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and do that. You know, and the family's waiting for them. You know, they want to get going. And, you know, my question is, do you really have to do all this now? Can you just put on this one fitting, solve your problem, go have your weekend or week away, whatever it is, and then come back and fix this stuff later on. Because if you get into these things, it might lead to more than what you anticipate. And then more panic comes in because your family's waiting. I hope I'm making the point here, probably belaboring the point like I have a habit of doing. Check out your RV. Do not let things turn into something much bigger than it needs to be. 
clearance lights quit working, don't panic. And hopefully you have a, a meter, a test light, some things to at least start getting the diagnosis done so you can fix it on the road so you don't always have to take it to someone. Or if you do, you have an idea of what it should be. But don't panic. You know, don't be desperate. And don't ever tell an RV technician you're desperate. The price will probably go up, <laughs> right? You got to just say, I need to get this fixed. That's it. All right. So hopefully that all makes sense and hopefully it'll benefit you. And as always, I love experiences or things that you, that work for you, things that you've tried, you know, something, uh, a different, a brand of something. Let's say it's a air conditioner a water pump, tires, let me know. You can contact me at eric at thesmartrver.com. You can call me 406-961-8688 or just go to the website and use the contact us page at thesmartrver.com. So I want to hear your stories. I want to hear what's going on out there, what's going on with you guys. Um, there's always something. Everybody has some great input and you know what? Believe me, if you think your story or your part or your idea is not good, those are the ones I really want to hear because they generally are. You know, it's that thing about raising your hand to ask a question. You know, there's no, there's no dumb question, right? So let me know. Contact me. Let me know what's happening. All right, for our next stop, we're going to be doing some whitewater river rafting. So Alexis is here to answer some questions about this. So Alexis, welcome to the show. Thank you. So if I want to go river rafting or whitewater river rafting, well, wait, what's the difference between river rafting and whitewater river rafting? <laughs> well, I guess the main difference would be that whitewater rafting involves a little more um, rapids in the river. <laughs> All right. That was an on-the-spot question. So we're going to talk about whitewater river rafting, regardless of what I call it. That's what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> So that's got the more rapids, a little more exciting, get your heart going, more exhilarating. All right, so if I want to go on a whitewater river rafting trip, what are the things that I would need to know before I schedule this trip? Right. So your best bet is to choose a licensed uh, professional rafting company. You would want to pick some guy standing by a river, you know, with a raft. It's probably not a good choice. Um, another tip would be to wear the right clothing for the weather. A lot of people don't do that. You need to wear good clothes for the water temperature, no cotton because that absorbs too much. And then always, always wear a life jacket um, that is providing that is provided, of course, at the rafting company that you choose. So you don't have to bring your own. All right. So we want to avoid some schlub on the side of the road with his thumb up saying he's got a raft to rent us. No cowboy boots and blue jeans, <laughs> and we need to wear a life jacket. Okay, well, that makes pretty good sense. And these are things that the rafting company would help us out with anyways, right? Mm -hmm, that's right. Okay, perfect. Um, now, do you have to be a certain age to go or not be allowed to go? That's a good question because a lot of families do this. But um, Each rafting company can kind of vary in their age rules. So calling before you make plans would be... Uh, a good thing to do and knowing too how your young ones might react in in that sort of situation whether they've never been or they might have been before kind of knowing them and and gauging whether they can handle this or not would be a good thing to consider all right very good and so the problem with that could be if you're already 
halfway down the river, quarter way down the river, and your kid's having a bad reaction, it could be pretty hard to undo that, right? Yeah. Okay, so you're committed. So you do want to make sure your kids can handle it, um, or that you can handle it for that matter. <laughs> you know, you can't really just jump out and start all over again. Okay, so now here's a question a lot of people probably have, especially those ones that are unfamiliar with this or maybe afraid of water. What happens if you fall out of the raft? <laughs> well, the number one thing to do to remember is not panic. The best thing you can do for yourself and everybody else is to stay calm. Uh, flailing around too much could cause you to become stuck underneath something in the river. You don't want to do that. Um, if you can, try to grab the side of the raft if it's still close. But, of course, if you can't reach the raft, you're going to want to position your body so you're facing downstream uh, with your arms out, kind of like a T formation. And then you're going to wait till you reach calm waters to try to get to the side um, to get to land and then wait there because they will rescue you. There will be people coming for you, so just stay put. <laughs> you hope they will be. <laughs> so you want to keep your feet in front of it. That's, that's, I think we see that in every TV show, movie you see. So here's the thing you got to remember. See, if you rented a raft or you're on the rafting trip from the guide who was standing on the side of the road holding a raft, this unlicensed, not professional, and you try to grab the side of the raft, he might just want to hand you a beer, not really realizing what really happened, right? That's right. <laughs> okay, so that's why you want a licensed guide. Mm -hmm. Okay, so outside of falling in the river, what are some other risks that you can face doing this? That's a good question. Um, you know, it doesn't happen very often, but when a raft hits a rock, uh, this kind of jolt might throw you into someone or you might fall into or they might fall into you which is why sometimes helmets are a good idea depending on how the rapids are you can also get hit by stray paddles in the boat so it's important to secure everything down um, as much as possible <laughs> and then of course uh, there are other features of the river like getting stuck in between rocks which hopefully your guide can help you and everyone else get out of those situations but it is something to keep in mind Right, so a lot of this just goes back to the guide. <laughs> so if he's not licensed, nothing will be tied down in the raft. Things will be flying everywhere. You'd be hitting the head with paddles. That's right. <laughs> That'll be a trip to remember. So, again, a licensed guide. So um, now when it comes to paddling, I mean, not the technique so much, but, you know, how should you paddle? I mean, is it hard? Is it yeah. easy to do this? No, you and you can make it easier on yourself. You if you hold it in a wide sense, like the top of it, and then you hold kind of down by the paddle. That's how you get the most control and pow power out of it. You don't have to be a professional paddler to know that. And then, of course, trying to get in sync with the other paddlers around you, especially the one in front of you, is a good idea. That will avoid you hitting them or or their paddle. Okay, so. Even though you have a professional guide and maybe he has somebody else on the raft or maybe even two people, depending on how many are in your group, you can't just rely on the guide to do all this. So you're actually a participant in this trip, right? That's right. Yes. And so when you're paddling, you have to do it to the best of your ability. Right. Okay. So it's not like one of those TV shows on a tandem bike where someone's just sitting on the back, not pedaling, right? <laughs> Hopefully not. Okay. <laughs> All right, so now um, what other things would be good to bring on a trip like this? Mm -hmm. 
Some other good things to pack along would be um, a sunscreen um, and maybe one that's safe for the environment so it doesn't pollute the water around you. Having a small fanny pack or, of course, a backpack to keep your things in would be a good idea. Make sure it's waterproof. Uh, having snacks like protein bars are great. A towel for after the trip and going along with that, maybe a fresh set of dry clothes. Um, and then, of course, you need to keep hydrated, so having a water bottle would be important. Okay, very good. So even though you're surrounded by water, you still want to have water with you. <laughs> so now from experience, I've done whitewater rafting before and also other things I've done where you're relying on guides and things, and it seems like not every person working there, if you were to call, is going to give you the same information so is that, is that why it's important to kind of know this stuff in advance that they're not going to have food for you, not going to have water? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, okay. They might not even tell you to bring dry clothes. They just might assume that you would know that. Or if you're wearing shorts and shirts, maybe quick drying stuff, but mm -hmm. shoes and socks. And so like in the trip, you, would you recommend like flip flops or like uh, tennis shoes that you can get wet? It'd probably be good to have tennis shoes, something that will stay on your feet secure. Okay, very good. So that seems pretty straightforward on, you know, the basics of it. I mean, obviously, the more you go or the the rougher the water, the more challenging it's going to be. So your skill set would have to be higher. But there is a cutoff point on skill set or on the roughness of the water, right, where they just won't allow beginners to go down or... Right. Yes. No. Um, it gets to like Olympic levels. So you have to be pretty much a professional that knows, you know, everything about the sport. So you won't be, you won't be in danger if you just want to go out on a fun outing. Okay. So you think about that. It's not the end of the world doing this. You're not jumping off a cliff. It's guided. These guys are professionals and different areas are going to have different types of guides and so forth. So sometimes you can drive up and down the river you want to go on and see the guide shops. And Whitewater River rafting, is that just isolated to a couple states or is it? It's done a lot. I mean, where whatever state has a river in it, you can go. So it, it's all over. Okay. So just about anywhere there's water, you can do this. And of course, in the springtime when the snow is melting, the runoff's going to make the water uh, much more rough. And at the end of summer, the water's going to be pretty mellow. Mm -hmm. So for me, the beginning of of summer or springtime is the better time to go. The water's colder, but it's going to be rougher. It's going to be a better adventure. Where if you want to just float down the river, the end of summer might be the time for you if you mm -hmm. want to do that. Yeah. All right, so any other tips for going on a trip like this? Um, I think we've mentioned them, but just, again, listening to your guide. Um, they want to keep you safe, and that's the best thing that you can do. And uh, it's treacherous water sometimes, so just keeping safety in mind always is good. All right, that sounds great. So put that on your calendars for your next, one of your next trips to go whitewater river rafting. We'll ta be talking about some other things in the next coming episodes or the next episodes that are coming up. Okay, that was awesome. Now, if you need a new slide-out fabric, I want to encourage you to go to sunpromfg.com. That's sunpromichaelfrankgeorge.com. Sunpro Manufacturing, MFG. Dot com. We sell slide-out awning fabrics. We have a three-year warranty fabric, a five-year warranty fabric. We've got a ton of fabric in stock. Now, that does change, but we are working hard to keep our inventory up, not just on fabrics in our store. We have a, 
awesome inventory. We've kept it up through this entire pandemic. But if you need to slide out on any fabric, go to sunpromfg.com. And by the way, I am an expert in RV awnings. So if you need help with an RV awning, you can get a hold of me. You can call me or email me, and I can help you with that. Now, RV Envy. So this is keeping your RV up. You know, it's the envy of the RV park, right? Okay, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not the best looking, the biggest RV in the RV park, but who cares? It's yours, and you're there, and you're enjoying it. There's always going to be something better, man. There's always going to be something bigger, you know, shinier, whatever. So today I just wanted to briefly touch on keeping your RV maintained and looking good. Some RVs, you know, especially the ones with full body paint, you know, you can wash them, wax when they look sharp all the time. Then you get into RVs, especially travel trailers that don't have the paint and different qualities of fiberglass and how they look over time. Like my trailer does not look good over time. It's, uh, you know, the, the, the fiberglass siding has just lost its shine. It's not going to come back. At least not that I know of. Um, I've tried a lot of different things, talked to a lot of different people, and it just seems like a, a dead-end street. So I don't bother waxing it anymore. You know, I use a wash wax when I clean it. I use a soft scrub brush. Uh, not that I scrub it, but just use it to wash it. And that takes a lot of the oxidation off and makes it look a little bit better. But it's beyond that point. But it's it's not so much as keeping it, you know, super polished. It just so it looks like you take care of it. People understand in the RV world that, you know, RVs fade. Sometimes that exterior maintenance, it's hard to do. It's kind of a chore to do, you know, washing a wax on an RV, keeping it like a car maybe. But, you know, keep it maintained. You know, you want someone to look at your RV and respect it. Even if it's an older RV, they look at, hey, this guy takes care of this RV. It's like my truck is a 2000. And doesn't have 100,000 miles on it, and it looks like I take care of it because, well, I do. To most people, it probably looks like it has 10,000 miles on it. That's how good a shape it's in. And it's been out four-wheeling, off-roading. It's been through brushes, trees, rocks. It's just, just the way it is. You know, I take care of it. People respect it when they get in it or around it. You know, they notice how clean it is. And it should be the same way with your RV. You don't want someone to think that you don't care about your RV. And that's where the RV envy comes in. They're going, okay, this guy takes care of his RV. It might not be the envy of the RV park or the neighborhood, but it looks like you take care of it. A well-maintained RV is something people become envious of. Especially when you're out on a weekend trip or a week trip and you're with some of your friends and their RVs are having problems, things are breaking, you know, and here you are, you're going through it. Your RV's maintained. You checked everything before you left, took care of any potential problems. So maybe something, you know, happens while you're out there. You go, no problem. I got a spare part right here. Boom, you're done. They're going, wow, this guy's cool. He's got it under control. <laughs> That's what you want to be under control. You know, that was the point of the last section, not letting the situation control you. You control the situation. So keep your RV maintained. You know, keep the keep the maintenance up. Make it the best is going to look is whatever it is. Just keep it maintained to that level. Keep everything working. Don't let things start falling apart on it. 
then you actually become the envy of the RV park, whether it's your goal or not. All right, again, call me, text me, email me. I want to hear your stories, what's happening out there, where you've been, um, pictures. I love to see it. If you have questions, contact me. And also, I forgot to mention this, is if you go to sunpromfg.com, and I'll have this again in this podcast episode, use the promo code, the smart RVer, and you get 10% off. You get a discount. All right, so I hope everybody benefited from the show today. As always, we try to pack it with stuff that's helpful. A couple weeks, there'll be another one coming out. So stay tuned to the Smart RVer. And this is Eric Stark with the Smart RVer podcast. And it's just been awesome being here today, sharing this information. And if I don't see you on the road, let's connect at thesmartrver.com.